Buy low, sell high. Very easy to say, but not always so easy to do. For example, high interest rates are hurting the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices in a lot of markets are falling, even for many of the best assets. So it's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting fundrise.com pockets, fundrise.com pockets. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement. Do you know how easy it is to buy an investment property from New Western? Just head over to New Western's real estate marketplace, find investor-vetted properties, get help from the New Western team of real estate specialists, save time and money, and buy the perfect property for your goals. See, told you, it's easy. Or you could try to find profitable deals yourself, I guess. But that means becoming an area expert and talking to dozens of agents and sellers. From there, you'll have to comp properties, calculate ARVs, make offers, and more offers, and by then, you might be stuck in analysis paralysis. I think we go with New Western instead. New Western makes real estate investing easy. New Western acquires a new property every 13 minutes for their marketplace of over 150,000 investors. And with New Western's licensed agents who are local investing experts, your next investment property is much closer than you think. Check out newwestern.com, become an investor in their marketplace for free, and get local investment-grade properties in your inbox. They don't call it mailbox money for no reason. That's newwestern.com to find your next investment property. Only 13 minutes until a new property pops up. So get clicking. TurboTax experts make all your moves count. Filing with 100% accuracy and getting your max refund guaranteed. So whether you started a podcast, side hustled your way to some extra income, flipped a house, or finally bought your first rental property, your moves made a big difference in your life last year. Now it's time to make the most of your moves. Switch to TurboTax and make your moves count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. Hey everyone, welcome to On The Market. I'm your host, Dave Meyer, joined today by Jamil Damji, Kathy Fecky, Henry Washington. What's going on, everyone? Yo, what's up? Ooh, excited for a debate today. Yeah, this one's gonna be fun. I like debates because uh, the last time we did one, uh, I won. You did, you did. <laughs> we don't have points, or maybe I'll assign some points here, I don't know. Last time was at BPCon and Jamil famously destroyed everyone else and won the right to plan a episode of on the market i don't think we have stakes for this one but uh i am still looking forward to a spirited debate because we have a topic that is definitely controversial right now and we're going to be talking about whether or not we are in a recession right now if we are going into a recession we're also going to talk about whether or not we were in a recession last year and I am looking forward to this conversation. I have no idea how any of you feel about this. So I think it's going to be uh, fun to, to talk about this. What happens if we all agree? I will pretend I disagree with you to make some drama. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> well, unless, yeah, maybe I will naturally disagree. He'll play devil's advocate. Yeah, exactly. So that is, that is what we got on tap for you guys. Um, just so you know, the, the reason that this is a debate in the first place is because the way a recession is defined in the United States is by a government entity called the National Bureau of Economic Research, and they do it retroactively, right? So they basically wait until well after sort of the economic turmoil has happened and then they say like, okay, this is when the recession started. This is when it ended. But it could be years after it started. Like in the Great Recession, you know, things started falling apart in 2007, 2008. It wasn't until 2009 that they said the recession started back in 2007, for example. And I know um, some people believe that this has changed over time and that the government has changed the way that recessions are defined. 
That is not true. This is the way it's been. This is the way it's been defined since 2000 and or back into the 1970s. But I will just say that because the the way that we define recessions is sort of confusing and retroactive, most people use the definition of two consecutive quarters of GDP declines. That is what you know most people talk about. And so we're going to talk about today whether we think that is an appropriate definition of a recession. And if so, are we in one? Are we not in one? And get into all of that. So this will be a really fun conversation. I think it'll, uh, we'll, we'll learn about a lot. We're going to talk about what indicators everyone follows to track if we're in a recession or not. So we're going to get into that in just a second. But first, we're going to take a quick break. Remember when you had to pay to get a Leeds phone number? It was like the dark ages until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do not call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com BP. You've had a long day, and when you get home, waiting for you is a frozen dinner? No, I think you deserve better, and thankfully, Factors Delicious, ready-to-eat, fresh, never-frozen, chef-crafted meals are here to help. Fuel your body with what it needs with over 35 delicious dietitian approved weekly options. And that includes options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto Meals. And they're all ready in just two minutes. We're talking about restaurant quality meals here that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. That's right. There's no prep here. There's no dishes. And there's no more messy meals. We've done the math here and figured out that Factor is actually less expensive than takeout. Plus, as we said, every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. You can get as many of these meals as you want or as little as you want, and you can choose whatever meals you want each and every week. If you want to pause or reschedule your deliveries, you can do that anytime. You also have breakfast options like pancakes, you can get midday snacks, you can get smoothies, and much more. I just ate lunch just a couple of minutes ago, and I'm getting hungry right now just thinking about Factor Meals. So head to factormeals.com slash market50 and use code market50 to get 50% off. That's code market50 at factormeals.com slash market50 to get 50% off. You're trying to close on your next rental, so why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single-family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. Okay, let's jump into this topic. Before we get into talking about today, let's talk about last year because as I said at the top of the show, the traditional, you know, sort of commonly used definition of recession, two consecutive quarters of GDP declines, which we saw in 2022, first and second quarter, we saw real GDP declines, but to date, we have not heard from the National Bureau of Economic Research that we were in a recession. They still could do that retroactively. Haven't said it yet. So, Kathy, let's start with you. What do you think? Were we in a recession last year? We might look back and say that that was that was the recession that everybody was panicking about. We we really don't know. And I, I, I think we we will look back and it'll be crystal clear at some point. 
But I would say that there were certainly industries in recession, real estate, one of them, real estate sales, definitely in a, re in a recession. Uh, but not, not everything else. I mean, job growth still strong. And uh, we had two consecutive positive GDPs right afterwards. Yeah, it's it's very very strange. Uh, I, you know, last year was a very weird time because some markets were. I guess we're going to say that a lot probably over the course of this episode. But yeah, they, we did see those two consecutive quarters of GDP growth. And I should probably say, if if you don't know, GDP stands for gross domestic product. It is basically a measurement of the total economic output of the entire country. And so we saw in the first two quarters of 2022 that GDP fell on a real basis, which means that it actually it was actually growing. But when you accounted for inflation, it was actually declining due to due to the inflation. So that's what happened last year. But curious to hear from Henry. Uh, what do you think? Were, were, was that considered a recession? Yeah. So first, let me caveat this. I am no economist. So everything that I think is based on what I see and how I feel uh, well, that's pretty much how I run my life anyway. But <laughs> when I look back at 2022, I think like, so how I judge a recession in my mind is like, how are people responding to the negative impacts that are happening uh, because of this quote unquote recession, right? And when I think about 2022, the thing I think about is like, well, consumer spending would definitely go down in a recession because people are holding on to their dollars a little tighter. Inflation was, you know, starting to rise. And so that money means more to people. Uh, and it's, it, it's more about spending money on the things that you have to spend money on to feed your family and provide shelter. So consumer spending typically goes down. But when I looked at consumer spending in 2022, it was up, right? It was up 5.9% year over year. Right. It, 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 we went from 141 billion to 142 billion in, in consumer spending. So if that tells me that if we were in a recession, because we had the two negative quarters of GDP, that the news didn't get to people yet or that people weren't as impacted yet uh, or the impact was to come in the future. And uh, if you look at consumer spending now, it's down just a little bit, but it doesn't feel like a recession. So I would say no. All right. Well, I think we should all caveat that we are not economists. We're just playing one on this <laughs> podcast. But uh, we do, I think, follow it closely enough that our opinions are uh, at least well informed, I hope. Um, Jamil, what about you? What do you think? Well, you know, it's interesting uh, that Henry Henry is using indicators that I, I think actually matter, right? Uh, how do I how do things feel? You know, what does it look like and what, it, what does it feel like? Because, you know, I've, I'm, I'm 40, 45 years old, just turned 45, and I've been through a few recessions. And I can tell you that the ones that I can remember, I, I actually felt them. I felt them, right? And regardless of whether I was an entrepreneur or I was in a W-2 situation, I felt the recession. I understood that, oh, things are different right now. We're tightening up. We're not spending. We're, life has, has adjusted. And, and we're making adjustments through it, right? And so I really do think that we have to look at these types of conversations and take into consideration how the broader country or how, how we're feeling as a nation with respect to our economics. And so, you know, the fact that we have had, we had two declining GDP quarters consecutively, which is the definition of a recession, and yet, we have a failure to call it. it, it it's, it's, an interesting, it's an interesting thing, right? Like, wh why not? Why not just call it, right? So if this is the indicator, call it. You saw it, it happened, call it. It's, it's, it's okay, it's okay to say the things, right? So the reason, <laughs> the reason I bring this up is because I wanna propose new indicators, because if we're not gonna say that two declining GDP quarters or consecutively declining GDP quarters are a recession, then I, I, I propose new indicators. I propose that you go to a major metropolitan city, you get 10 miles away from the airport, and then you look at the number of Uber X's and the number of Uber Blacks that are available at 8 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> if the number of Uber X's is less than the number of Uber Blacks, then we are in a recession. Yeah, and you could add to that, 
if you can get a reservation at the restaurant you yes. want to go to. Yes. Oh, <laughs> I see. Okay. Yes. yes. Because it's about feelings, right? right. If I can it's get true. an Uber, if I can get an Uber Black a lot easier than I can get an Uber X, then I know that people are spending money because we got the black cars out there, right? So how can it be a recession? <laughs> There's this very funny recession indicator. I don't know, like it's historical performance, but it's um, men's underwear that you could predict recession by men's underwear because men just don't want to buy new underwear ever. <laughs> and they wow. will basically only do it during like really good economic times where they're feeling flush. And like every other time they're just like, oh, I'll just wear the same wow. men's underwear. So, wait, so are we in a recession if you go commando? Is that what it is? Like, <laughs> all the men are commando. We are in a recession. Yes, I, basically, yes. I think you're or, like, on to something. Number of holes, the, the number of holes in your in your underwear are like the, the, the reflection of whether it's you're on to something. I only I only buy my undies when I'm in a good mood, typically financially, because them Duluth, <laughs> them Duluth exactly trading right. underwear ain't cheap, man. You gotta go, you spend twenty five dollars on a pair of underwear. You gotta be feeling good about life. Whoa, damn! Those are some those are some expensive chuddies you got. Hey man, only <laughs> the best. With, with women, it's. It's just when Victoria's Secret is having a sale. That's when you buy your undies. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Women are more like civilized people who will continue to buy the clothes they need <laughs> despite the economic situation. Men are like, you know what I can cut back on? Underwear. <laughs> <laughs> well, some people, I don't know if you guys have heard this, but some people are calling this the white collar recession or the Patagonia oh, vest totally. recession. <laughs> yeah. Have you heard that? I'll no, but I'm wearing a Patagonia sweatshirt right now. So, <laughs> it, you know, well obviously me. people that got hurt, or you know, a lot of a lot of people have been affected by uh, the the rising interest rates and the attempt to create a recession by the Federal Reserve, and so a lot of people have lost or their net worth has gone down in the stock market, certainly in crypto, and you know, short-term rentals income has gone down. Yep. And so they're they're saying it's really affecting those who the net worth of those who had a higher net worth last year. It kind of makes sense, right? If you just look at the like high profile layoffs that have been coming through the economy over the last couple of months, there tend to be really high paying jobs in sectors like finance and tech um, are sort of leading the way. And if you look at the recent jobs report, which we'll get into in a little bit, um, you know, more there's there's actually pretty strong job growth across the board, but, you know, particularly robust in things like hospitality um, and service sectors that are not are not traditionally as high paying. Yeah, so I think the bottom line is you're you're feeling a recession if you lost your job. That's that's going to feel recessionary. And we know we probably know a lot of people who have who are in the tech space or and and certainly again in in industries where higher interest rates are affected and that would be real estate. Anyone in real estate sales is affected. I have a, a close friend who just someone we know just lost their job. And that is why we love real estate, right? The more income producing assets you have, the less you worry about losing your job. That that's for sure. Uh, the w one thing I do want to say about last year before we get into current stuff is I, I'm more current. I keep thinking about this fact that like the first half of 2022 is when we saw GDP declines, which a lot of people believe, you know, would say that that is a recession. That's how a lot of people define it. But economic, uh, you know, optimism was still pretty high then. Mm -hmm. And then it sort of switched like. GDP started growing again in Q3 and Q4 of 2022, but everyone got really pessimistic and really upset about it. So I'm just curious, like, it's just this weird thing where it doesn't seem like people's sentiment and the data about the economy are actually lined up right now. Just curious if any of you have any thoughts about that. I'm, I think, honestly, that's one of the most perplexing things that, that we have about this and probably why we haven't called it anyways right is that sentiment optimism has been strong and we've all felt that even even though typically real estate feels a recession first so it's like first in first out right we feel it we're the we're the industry that feels it immediately and we typically feel it when we're coming out faster because of mortgage rates declining and an uptick in 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 housing activity right and so it's it's one of these interesting 
dichotomies is that, you know, again, back to what Henry is talking about, sentiment, right? The f- overall feeling. It, it, even though we were losing money in the, the same quarters that GDP was declining, and I can tell you that, and looking back at our P&Ls, like, oh, wow, we, we lost money on this flip, we lost money on this flip. Meanwhile, you know, the sentiment out there was still very strong, and there were more Uber Blacks available than there were Uber X's. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, along those lines, I'm, I'm curious, like, you know, now it seems to me that sentiment is very low. Um, I think, you know, I feel it. I feel like my sentiment has has really declined over the last year, just about the economy in general. What do you think, Jamil? Like, are you feeling like the economy today is in a recession or are we heading towards a recession or what are you thinking about sort of the future? You know, interestingly enough, uh, I I'm again going to defer back to our beautiful friend Henry here and say, I, I'm starting to feel optimism again. I had, I had the pessimism. I felt this, I felt that, oh my God, like, especially going into the holidays and, and, you know, two months prior to that from Thanksgiving to Christmas, it's been miserable in the housing market, right? Like it's, mm-hmm. and again, if you're selling, if you've got flips on the market or you're selling, you felt that you felt a lot of pressure you felt just where is everybody how come there's just not, not a lot of activity and maybe i'm just myopic because i'm talking about a market like phoenix where we we are really we really felt that more than say how henry felt in northwest arkansas however after the christmas holiday i have not seen as much or felt as much strong investor activity, strong buying optimism. I mean, pendings are spiking. We can't keep inventory. We just can't keep inventory in, in, in our, in our book, on our books. We pick up a house, we sell a house, we pick up a house, we sell a house. And it's like, Oh wow. Okay. I thought we were, we were going to kind of loosen our, our, you know, tighten things up around here, but it looks like we're, we're putting out more money and taking in more opportunities. And it's, also interesting that I, I have friends in the vehicle industry, right? And so they had had situations where, you know, their car lots were just swollen full of inventory because they had overbought because of, you know, there was a, a shortage of vehicles for a time. And so dealers were, were overpaying and buying. And anyone who bought a car last year understands what I'm talking about right now. We very likely overpaid for our vehicle if you bought last year. Well, I am talking to my friends that are in the the car industry, and they're also saying, right now, Jamil, we can't keep inventory on our lots. We just can't. And right before the holidays, from Thanksgiving to Christmas, we were all tremendously worried, and we had no idea what was going to happen, if we were going to go bankrupt, if we were, you know, needed to get more credit. We were all worried. And after the holiday, things have just exploded. And so right now, I'm like, Henry said, I'm optimistic. I, my sentiment right now is uh, it's, it's pretty good. I feel things are, are, are picking up and, and like housing should be, we were first in, I felt it. We're first out. I feel it. All right. Well, yeah, by, by those two indicators, housing and car in the, the car market, there's definitely a, a pickup in activity over the last couple of months. Henry, what about you? Are there any indicators or data points that you look at to try and assess the current economic condition? Well, yeah. So there's the there's the general indicators, right? That everybody looks at GDP, two point nine percent, right? That's up. Uh, unemployment, three point four percent, right? That's good. Historic uh, lows. Yeah. Historic lows, right? January, uh, you've got uh, job claims at one hundred and eighty three thousand, so that's a nine month low, right? So those indicators are telling us no, we're not in a recession. There are some indicators that may be telling us yes, we are, but those are the key indicators people look at. But again. Uh, feelings, right? So not only how I feel, because I feel exactly how Jamil feels, right? But if you look at how other people feel, if you look at uh, consumer confidence, consumer confidence is super high right now. And part of the reason that that's super high is if you've been paying attention to the stock market over the past few weeks, these earnings reports have been coming out. And a lot of companies are reporting beating earnings, Right. You have somewhat 
uh, uh, 69% of the companies that have actually reported have reported earnings above their targets, right? So that is going to make not only people feel more confident in the economy, but it's going to make companies feel more confident in the economy. And if companies are feeling confident, then they're going to go out and continue to spend money. They're going to invest in new projects and new technologies. They're going to go out and invest in new jobs and hiring people that are going to help them hit their goals for the next quarter. So if they're feeling confident, people feel confident. If people feel confident, people spend money. If people spend money, it's a benefit for us in the real estate space. Well said. Kathy, what do you think? We're in opposite land. It's such a strange time to look at the the data that we get and be concerned about it. And that data, by that data, I mean 517,000 new jobs created. This beat expectations by double, even triple by some economists. Uh, and this is after a almost a full year of the Fed trying to slow things down and raising interest rates in an unprecedented way. So, you know, no, we're, you can't be in a recession when you're creating that many new jobs, when businesses are hiring that many new people and not laying off people. And, uh, and then retail sales up 3% in January. So people, they're spending money. And you, you see it when you, at least for me, when I go out and again, I was serious, trying to get a reservation in, at certain restaurants, you can't get in, you know, you can't get in. So, uh, you know, these are, this would normally be great news, right? Uh, but people are panicked by news like this, by good economic news, because that means that the Fed may continue to raise rates. Mm-hmm. But what I want to say about that is they already said they were going to do that. So don't panic. The Fed is, has been pretty clear about what their plans are, which is to get the overnight over the, the Fed fund rate, the overnight lending rate above 5%. It's not there yet. We're at, you know, four and a half to four and three quarters percent. They already told us that they're going to keep raising. So don't be shocked. They are planning to continue to raise rates and to hold them there. I've heard lots of people say, oh, you know, as soon as we get, you know, as soon as they get to 2023, they're going to start reversing and lowering rates because it's going to slow things down. And that's not what they're saying. Uh, They've been pretty accurate about what they forecast. They tell people what they're going to do. And and generally, investors, certainly stock market investors, listen. And we have a ways to go. They're going to raise rates a few more times and most likely hold it there for the rest of the year. And especially after these massive, massive economic numbers that have come in showing that the economy is strong. So, you know, so no, I don't see, we're not, I don't, we couldn't possibly be in a recession if the Fed's raising rates and we're having job growth and people are spending money. Kathy, do you think that, that there may be just some possibility that we, people are starting to listen to what the Fed's saying and, and trust them at their word, right? Uh, and, and so do you think that there may be just this increase in, in activity because people are just trying to beat lending costs getting even more expensive or or is this activity real and not just like artificially motivated well you know rates if we're talking about housing and what you're feeling in your industry and our industry is rates did go down over december and january and i I think that's what we felt i at at our business at real wealth we're booming again people flocking we we do one webinar and everything sells so it's like yeah we're back um but that was because rates went down and numbers started to make sense again now they're going back up again because the the feedback we're getting on the economy is it's booming and generally people get out investors start to invest back in the stock market and out of bonds. And if they're buying bonds, rates come down. If they're not buying bonds, rates go up and that's where we're at. So we could feel that we could be having a different conversation next month in terms of real estate going, oh, things slowed again because rates went up a bit. But that that's just our industry. That's not that's not America. That's not the economy overall. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think Kathy, you made a good point that we're in this weird situation where like good economic news is is felt like bad economic news because it means (laughs) that the Fed is going to continue to raise rates and then there's this like pending economic 
downturn that's just always sort of like six to 12 months ahead of us. At least that's what it's felt like for the last. Do you like, feel like we're being gaslighted a little bit? Man. I just think everybody's yes. panicking. Every, everybody's afraid of a, of losing everything, right? We're Nobody wants another 2008. No one wants to start over again and lose everything. So there, there's been people predicting recessions and housing crashes for the past 10 years. It's nothing new. <laughs> I, I'm, look, I'm with conspiracy theory Jamil on this one <laughs> you create the fear people start panicking they start panic selling and then the the, the wealthy take advantage man they go out and scoop scoop stuff up at a we're discount. just we're, we're just gaslighting everybody playing games to come in and gain yeah yeah well i think there is truth to that because well i i don't know if it's conspiracy theory i have no idea but i think there is some element that like the fed and the government like wants people to stop spending money they want to be they want you to be afraid not necessarily because it benefits rich people maybe it does but they definitely want that because that will help inflation right like if people are afraid and stop spending as much money then that would help curb inflation and the fed would be delighted with that to happen Sorry, I have to go. There's people with black suits at my door. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I also want to get back to something you said, Jamil. Is like I do think there is like you know they call it like the dead cat bounce. Like I do think there is a pretty good chance that like Q1 of this year for the housing market looks pretty good, and then it, it slows down again because you know inflation data came out this week. It was it was down a little bit, but it was not a very good inflation report, um, generally speaking. And it's that combined with you know, what Kathy was talking about with the jobs report, it's just basically giving the Fed a green light to keep raising rates aggressively. Uh, and so, you know, we were seeing mortgage rates start to slide on sort of these recessionary fears. But now I think there's a good chance the terminal rate, like what the Fed goes up to is going to be higher than five, but could be five and a half. And I think there's a good chance that we see mortgage rates now go up to somewhere near seven, seven and a half um, over the course of this year. Or we go into recession and it goes the other way. It's like, it's just super hard to tell. And like my read on this is like, when it's all said and done, if we're looking back at this like five years from now, they're gonna call this whole thing, I don't know if they're gonna call it a recession, but from like 2022 to through 2024 is just gonna be like this weird half recession, half not recession, where like some parts of the economy are doing really well and some parts are doing really poorly. And we're not gonna ever have this like, quote unquote recession where you feel it like you were talking about Jamil where like everything goes down it's going to be like this sort of like whack-a-mole situation where like jobs are up housing's down housing's down cars are good like where we just have this weird thing yeah it's a recession mullet I don't even know what to say to that. <laughs> I like that idea do you think that makes sense? Like, I like, am I off base? Not it just at all. feels like I don't think you're off base. We're at all. all trying to like call it a recession, like quote unquote, but like it, the the economic situation we're in, like, defies normal words for it. Like, no one's calling it a recession because it's just different than any other economic situation we've ever been in. That doesn't mean it's not bad. It doesn't mean it's not painful. It is bad and painful. It does, but there are also good parts of it. So it's like just really hard to like fit this situation into our conventional definitions of economic cycles. I mean, if you boil it all down to what is so different and weird this time around, besides the fact that we had a global pandemic that none of us have experienced before, is that the Fed created over $3 trillion in a matter of eight, what, 13 months. And that is a huge shock to the system, I suppose, in a good way, where money money went to the people. And a lot, you know, we talk about the stimulus checks, but those PPP loans, those loans that went to businesses sometimes were in the millions. And it was sometimes to businesses that maybe, you know, didn't need that money, uh, but they got that money and that's extra. And that, that, where did that go? Usually when there's profits, it goes to the owners or the, the shareholders. And, and then that goes out into the economy, economy, generally people spend it or they invest it. So, you know, we haven't, we're still in the hangover of that. That that was a lot of money that perhaps was spent on um, buying all cash properties or or buying things that without debt. Uh, we know that homeowners are in a really really good position right now because many of them have high like a lot of equity still. They have high equity and super low payments. So 
that's that's just another example of so much money that was easy to get and um and if you were borrowing it it was low debt that there people are just not I, when I say people I don't want to say all people but a lot of people still have money whether it's in savings or they have the things that they wanted and and bought with cash at the time so we it's going to take a while I think for that amount of stimulus to trickle down and to trickle out <laughs> of the economy. And, and you know, the Fed doesn't want to talk about that part of it. Nobody seems to want to talk about that part of it, the overstimulus. Well, I, I, I think what's interesting, Kathy, is that in, the, in 10 years, they're going to have a report. And, uh, and, and it's going to be all of the things that were bought with PPP loans. Oh, did you see the one recently? <laughs> I no, I didn't even know this existed yet. <laughs> there are some. They're start. The government is starting to go after people for fraud, and one of them was an influencer. This uh, woman who was an influencer got like plastic surgery with a PPP loan because her business was like her. Her was she a stripper uh, or something? You know, I I don't know. I didn't I I didn't look into it that much, but it was kind of like her business is her appearance. So she basically oh, got a right. you know like a. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but he doesn't need money for it. That's all natural. <laughs> so you didn't you did no market research on that, right? That's what we're <laughs> not that I'm willing to talk about on the show. <laughs> I'm not gonna tell you how I'm not gonna tell you how I know about this story, Henry. Were there Lamborghinis, were there man luxury mansions, like what got bought with the PPP? You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. There's definitely gonna be a reckoning for that. And a few rap songs, I bet. Yeah, yes, probably. Well, so I'm curious, like how, you know, given, are we all in agreement that like, I don't know, I guess my, my feeling is, I don't know if they're ever going to call it a recession or not. Like that's, that's out of my hands. But I do think this economic uncertainty that we're all experiencing is at least all of 2023 and probably into next year. I don't know. How, do you guys feel differently about that? I, I hope I don't. I mean, you know, again, as I mentioned earlier, it could be the dead cat bounce or it could just be a return to uh, normality in, the, in, in housing. But I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic. I, I truly believe that 2023 isn't going to be as bad as we had expected it to be. If I'm looking back at the last two quarters of 2022, I had, I had some definite anxiety about what 2023 was going to look like. And that anxiety is beginning to soften. Well, that's good. I like your optimism. I mean, just by the fact that how wrong um, economic projections tend to be, the fact that most economists believe that there will be a recession probably just by default means that there probably there won't, won't be. be. Yeah. <laughs> Except I am a I am a believer in the yield curve. I don't know how much you guys follow this, but um, that is the most reliable predictor of, of recessions that we have pretty much. And that does point to a recession. So um, that one, you know, every time I start to feel some optimism about the economy, I look back at that. I'm like, oh, no, we're screwed. I think the big caveat there is exactly what Kathy mentioned. Yeah. I mean, those the the indicators that we're using are the indicators we've used historically. But historically, we haven't had uh, this this pandemic, which created its own problems. And then. Yes, we created the Fed created money, right? And uh, you know, in, in order to help people, you know, I don't, I don't want to say that um, the stimulus was bad or PPP was bad. It was created for a reason. There were people who absolutely needed those stimulus, right? Absolutely. We're very fortunate yes. uh, here that you know we didn't need those things. But uh, when the pandemic first hit i remember seeing people uh at the grocery store i paid for a lady's gas who was in tears because she didn't know how she was going to be able to keep gas in her car right and so the the money was created i think uh for the right reasons and uh there were there were tons and tons of people tons and tons of small businesses who needed ppp funds does that mean people didn't take advantage of it of course people did um but I think it was created for the right reasons, but that's this big, this big caveat. I think that's, that's causing a lot of these, you know, what you call it, whack-a-mole of, <laughs> of the economy, right? Industries up and down. We've had this, this, this huge outlier of a recession. And so, um, 
Yeah, it's a, it, it, I don't think we're going to be in a recession. I don't think it's as bad as people think it's going to be. And, you know, who knows? Maybe I'm terribly wrong. But um, uh, I don't know. It's hard to believe or follow the indicators when this historically hasn't happened before. And here's where my the debate part will come in. <laughs> um, I, I do think that, uh, we. well, first of all, it's nearly impossible to predict anything anymore uh, because we we don't really know what the Fed is going to do or how quickly they're going to move given the very, very strong economic data. If they do what they've said they're going to do, they would raise rates throughout 2023 gradually at quarter percent hikes, which is a lot better than three quarter percent hikes uh, until they get to five or five and a quarter percent. So that would be, you know, several more quarter percent hikes this year and then holding it. What we don't know is how that's going to impact what appears to be a pretty strong economy from all that money. I'm going to I'm going to say the economy strong because if you or I took out a three trillion dollar credit line, we'd probably be looking pretty good, too. You know, um, and that's that's where we're at. It's just a lot, still a lot of money circulating out there because of all that stimulus. Um, so will being at five percent Fed fund rate stabilize things or send us into recession. It doesn't look like, and most people, most economists are now not predicting it for 2023, that it will be just flat, just a GDP of just kind of maybe half a percent or something like that over 2023, which is is great, right? That's If we just hold, that would be wonderful. The question is, what will 2024 be like? And is that something that we should worry about? And that's what we're going to see in the headlines is, okay, this year is going to be okay, but just wait till 2024. (laughs) And that's the unknown. (laughs) So we're not out of it yet. The recession headlines are going to be with us. How do you deal with it? That's really the question is, how do you deal with it? How is it going to affect you? Uh, It's probably not going to be a 2008 type of collapse, although there's, there's, People out there saying it will be, uh, but there's always people out there saying it will be. So that question mark will always be there. It says, how do you, how do you operate and live with that hanging over your head for another year or two? Totally. Yeah. I, I you know, I, I don't wish for a recession or want anyone to lose their job, but like it almost in some ways would be better if it just got over with because it's just dragging this this out for a long time, this like economic uncertainty and fear that everyone, myself included, has. Um, and I just want to say like the 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 scenario you're describing, Kathy, which I think is a reasonable scenario, um, you know, I, I, I is probably the worst case scenario for housing prices. Um, you know, if if we if interest rates go up, but we do not go into a recession, in my mind, is the most likely scenario that could actually lead to a housing crash, right? Because then interest rates are going up, that puts upward pressure on mortgage rates, but without the recession to help, just so everyone knows, a recession usually pulls down mortgage rates. So if interest rates go up, but there's no recession, that puts the most, of all the scenarios I can see happening, that's probably the one that has the most upward pressure to mortgage rates, which would probably send the housing market down further than I have been expecting over the last couple, you know, six months. Um, So just so everyone knows, like that scenario is good for the economy, but could be pretty bad for home values. I know some people are hoping for home values to go down so they can buy cheaper, but um, that's just something I wanted to call out. And then the last thing, the second thing I wanted to say is that like what Kathy's describing, what we're all describing, what we're trying to do here is just talking about like, different scenarios that can happen. I just want to reiterate that none of us know um, and we're just trying to play out and sort of like game what different things could happen so that you can think through some of how you would react to these things. So generally speaking, uh, Jamil, given given the uncertainty and these different scenarios that we're all you know positing that could happen, how do you sort of react with your own investing, your own money? Like how are you operating in this uncertainty? Great question, Dave. I'm operating the way that I would normally operate when I'm, as I as I you know said said on previous shows, I am still very very bullish on 
the fact that our inventory numbers, that real estate in general is not whatever we're experiencing right now is engineered. This isn't normal market cycles and we, we are lacking inventory across the country. So I am going to continue to buy. I'm going to continue to do what I would normally do. I'm just buying everything deeper. I'm, I'm, I'm doing what I would normally do, but more aggressively right now. And actually f funny enough, I'm, historically known as somebody who doesn't hold a lot. I'm a wholesaler, so I like to flip paper and, and, and generate cash that way. But this last six months, I've been buying and holding property because I'm getting stuff at such steep discounts right now. And I'm watching inventory and I, and I can see what's coming around the corner, at least maybe not next year, maybe not two years from now, but three, four, five years from now. The inventory that I buy today, I'm going to be able to take massive, massive gains on. And I did this back in 2010. I bought $800,000 worth of property in 2010 that I exited in 2019 for 8 million bucks. Whoa. Yes. That's, I mean, that, and that was one of the things that tipped the scales of my life was being able to have that situation occur for me. So I'm trying to bet on that happening again. I'm, I'm holding, I'm buying, I'm buying aggressively. I'm, I'm going to hold really, 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 really great assets at great prices. And I'm going to wait five years and see what I, what happens with it. All right. Well, great. That's very good advice. Henry, I'm sure you're, uh, you're doing something radically different than what you normally do. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, positively not. We are doing exactly what we've been doing. I, I couldn't mirror Jamil anymore. It is, you know, we, we talked about it before on another show, but like when we talk about investing in real estate, right, people obviously want to buy low, right, so that they can either hold and build wealth and get uh, wealth through appreciation and equity, right? Cash flow is great, but the real wealth is built through appreciation and equity, or they're looking to buy low and then add value to it and then sell high. And so if this is what you're in the real estate space for, this is the time that's for you because you can buy deep discounts right now. If you're in the real estate space because you want to be able to buy and sell, maybe the time frame that you're going to look to maximize your sell is, is longer. Like Jamil saying, he's buying some, he's holding them for the short term, but his plan is to sell them when their value is at its quote unquote peak, right? When their value starts to go up tremendously. Also, if you're in a, if you're in a place where you're saying, Hey, I don't know where to start, but I know I want to get into large scale multifamily. I want to get into a space that takes a lot of capital to get into. Well, phenomenal. You could do exactly what Jamil's doing. You could buy at discounts right now. You can hold them, which increases your net worth. You're going to get the appreciation and the debt pay down over the next five years, but then you can leverage that right? Increase your buying power to buy larger assets, then still sell those properties that you bought five years ago at a profit, right? So it's, it's one way for you to get in now where you're going to get in deep and use that leverage to start to scale. And then also for us, man, that we're getting such great discounts that we are being, we're able to do both. We're able to buy and hold and cash flow very well because we're buying at a deep discount, even though the interest rates are higher, we're still cash flowing because of the depth of which we can buy, but also it's still profitable doing flips. I'm going to do uh, my first two flips that we're going to sell here in 2023 are going to be triple digit flips, you know, no, no pun intended. But, but put to caveat that these are six figure net. So you're going to make a hundred dollars. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you know how many messages I get on the internet, just game laughing at us for that title, but yeah. <laughs> no, he means, he means hundreds of thousands of dollars. <laughs> I had never thought about it. And someone else said it to me. I might've read it in one of your comments or something. I was like, yeah, okay. I guess there's a point, but I, I knew what you meant. You know, so, so when you, when you, when you talk about uh, a, a triple digit flip, we're, we're talking about a market in Arkansas where the spreads aren't as big as in a market like Phoenix. And so that's a big deal in this mid tier market, especially with interest rates where they are and with home prices starting to come down uh, across the country, we're still getting very, very high returns. I'm, I'm turning down projects that it would typically net like 30 K because it's it's the t my time is better spent 
on the deals that are going to net me 50, 60, 70, 80, and they're still widely available. I just turned one down yesterday and the, the, the wholesaler was like shocked that I didn't want to take the deal because I was going to only make a $30,000 profit. So there are plenty of opportunities still out there. And so our, our, our strategy hasn't changed, but our underwriting is different. That's awesome. Thank you. That, I mean, that, that's, that's super good advice. Um, and you know, uh, Henry, you're always just, uh, smooth and steady, always doing the same thing. I like that. <laughs> Kathy, what about you? Is there anything you're doing differently or thinking about just in terms of managing your investments right now? No, I mean, I, I will speak from the perspective of somebody who doesn't do business where I live. I live in California. The regulations are ridiculous. The cash flow doesn't exist. Uh, prices are still extremely high. I know some people invest here, but I, I don't. So I speak from the perspective of me and our, our members who have to invest somewhere else to make the numbers work. And looking at at where that is today, there over the last couple of years, it was really hard for us because you know you you're trying to compete, but you're not in the market, and you need somebody local there, but they've got. 50 other clients and like, how do you get that deal when you don't live there and you're kind of relying on somebody else? And for, for many of us who invest out of state and not in, in the area where we live, we like to, I'll speak again for myself and for people I represent, is, is something a little newer uh, because you're not there. And so something newer and, uh, or at least completely renovated is, feels safer, right? You kind of know what you're getting and, uh, and you can rely on this is everything's already been fixed. I don't have I'm not going to have a lot of, um, you know, repairs, most likely on this property. And that type of property sort of a B class property was almost impossible to get over the last couple of years. And new builders, I started investing with new builds and new builders didn't want anything to do with investors. So like, why would I sell to an investor when I can sell to the retail market for more um, and not have a bunch of rentals in my subdivision? Well, all of that has changed. So from a perspective of somebody investing not where I live and helping other people build a portfolio not where they live, this is incredible. This is an incredible time. This is this is so much better than what we've been dealing with over the last couple of years. Now builders want to work with us and they're giving us discounts and they're paying down our yes. mortgage. So it's like we're in the money. Like this is this is why we're so busy right now because finally investors like me, out of state investors who already have jobs and already are working and they can't be as awesome as Henry and Jamil. Like they can't we we can't do what you guys are doing cuz we're not there. Um, so the opportunities for us are are so much better. And and so I'm optimistic from that perspective that this is the time that I can now get back in and build my portfolio and uh, and still get pretty good rates. Because like I said, you can negotiate. You could negotiate for the seller to help pay down your uh, pay points to pay down your your mortgage. Awesome. That is also great advice. And, and I think that's reflected across a lot of uh, other experiences that we've been hearing about people we've been interviewing on this show um, all seem to be think that there's great opportunities out there. Um, there's also a lot of crap out there, I'll, I will say. So it really is about finding finding good stuff. Um, I will say that like for me, I am I am actually doing a few things differently. I am starting to get into uh, lending because interest rates are really high right now and it's a good market to be in lending. Um, and the second thing I'm doing, just generally speaking, is looking for uh, to put some money into short term opportunities right now, because um, as if you listen to the show, no, I mostly invest passively uh, in commercial real estate. And I do think commercial real estate is going to be taking a hit in terms of valuations and there's going to be really good uh, opportunities. I know I always say don't try and time the market, but I'm not listening to my own advice. I'm going to try and time the market a little bit with commercial real estate, but I'm still investing my money for now looking into like shorter term opportunities that I can still earn a really good yield for six months, 12 months, um, and then trying to uh, see what happens just, you know, as we've been talking about this whole episode, no one knows what's going to happen. So I'm trying to buy some flexibility uh, with my money so it can take advantage of even better opportunities if they come um, over the course of the year. I just want to say that I want to be the first to call Dave the hardest hard money lender 
on the market. <laughs> Thank you. I don't really know what that means. The amount of people that are going to DM you asking for money. I should have. <laughs> that's a good point, Henry. Sorry. <laughs> now people are going to ask me for money for sure. I don't have a lot of it, so don't, don't ask me for that much. You're better off asking someone else or ask James. He's, he lends out a lot of money. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you all for being here. This was a lot of fun. I hope you all enjoyed this debate. Uh, as you can see um you know everyone's just trying to figure out what's going on hopefully this helps you understand some of the indicators to look at um some of the uh sentiment that is occurring in the market right now and how you can prepare yourself for the weird whatever you want to call it you want to call it recession go for it you want to call it something else whatever it is it's weird the weird economy that we are in right now the mullet yeah the mullet economy the mullet, exactly. The, the mullet, mullet economy. economy. I feel like we need like a graphic off. for that. Yeah. <laughs> all right. The, mar- the Yeah. The mullet economy. Uh, all right. Well, let's just do a little round of uh, where to find you guys. If you want to learn more about the mullet economy and Jamil, where should uh, people contact you? You can follow me on Instagram at J-D-A-M-J-I. Also, I have a pretty fun and uh, entertaining YouTube channel where I teach people how to wholesale real estate and uh, can crack you up a couple of times. So you can find me on YouTube.com slash Jamil Damji. It is funny because you can find a video of Jamil and I in pajamas doing interviews about real estate on that channel. One of, it was a great interview. People <laughs> loved our jammy jams. That sounds awesome. I haven't seen that. I want to see that. Uh, well, Henry, what about you? Where can people uh, find more about you in your pajamas? Uh, yeah, Instagram, best place for me. I'm at the Henry Washington on Instagram or check me out on my website, henrywashington.com. All right, great. And Kathy? Uh, I was going to say Instagram too, at Kathy Fedke, but make sure it's two T's because there's somebody trying to be me and don't listen to them with one T. It's two Two T's, Fedke. Um, and then probably a, a safer way is realwealth.com, where nobody's trying to impersonate me there. I don't think. I don't think. Yeah, the impersonators are r- unbearable on Instagram. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And they're asking for money. So that's not me. I'm not asking anybody for money. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kathy, uh, I heard you mention a couple of times that you were having trouble getting a reservation for dinner. Did you tell them that you were Kathy Fedke of Real Wealth? Oh, no, I didn't no, use that card. because they thought it was Kathy Fecky with one T. They thought right. you were... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, was the, it was the fifth Kathy Fecky who contacted the They're restaurant like, that day. You cannot have a reservation and you cannot pay with Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah, they asked... Kathy called the restaurant and asked how their crypto trading was going three different times. <laughs> And I'll, I'll help you if you just give me five grand. I'll invest it for you. <laughs> Seriously, though, if you are listening to this just public service announcement, like if someone, any personal finance person, if the four of us, anyone else contacts you and asks you to trade with them, particularly Bitcoin or Forex, read very carefully the username of the person who is asking you because it is very likely to be a scam. Please report them. I know I think I speak for all of us that we report all the people who impersonate us, but uh, Instagram and Meta is very, very slow to remove them. So uh, just why. be careful if you ever be see careful. that. Be careful. Oh, I know why. Because their stock price is down 70% and they don't want to reduce engagement even more. <laughs> oh, now the people with black suits are at Dave's door. Now I'm the conspiracy theorist, right, Henry? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't know about that, man. I like the, the ability, like, it would be so easy to write an algorithm to stop them for doing that, and they just don't do it. 100%. But it's the same thing, right? Isn't that what like Elon Musk sued Twitter about, right? Yeah. Was that like so much of the engagement is bots? Yep. But they're just like, we don't know what's going on because <laughs> then they don't have to report it to their investors. Anyway, don't don't shadow ban me Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> It's a love-hate relationship. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We're going to get out of here. See you all next week. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you for the next episode of On the Market. On the Market is created by me, Dave Meyer, and Kaylin Bennett. Produced by Kaylin Bennett. Editing by Joel Esparza and Onyx Media. Research by Pooja Jindal. And a big thanks to the entire BiggerPockets team. The content on the show On the Market are opinions only. All listeners should independently verify data points, opinions, and investment strategies. 
Braving the real estate investing journey on your own can be a bit daunting. Doubts tend to creep up and stifle your ambition. And you start asking yourself questions like, is this actually a good deal? Did I run the numbers right? What if I can't find a tenant? Can I even afford this place? And what if I lose my job? But whatever you're going through, whatever questions are swirling through your head, rest assured that we've all been there. And the good thing is that there's a good way to overcome your doubts and hesitations. And that's with a healthy dose of knowledge, networking, and accountability. And that's just what you'll find in our newly released 2024 summer boot camps. After these eight action-packed weeks of step-by-step -step guidance from expert investors, weekly video modules, live Q&As, interactive assignments, and new friends to hold you accountable, you'll be ready to tackle your first or your next deal with full confidence and expertise. Choose from the small multifamily bootcamp or the short-term rental one, rookie bootcamp, and make sure to register by April 12th to get the lowest prices because prices do go up. So head to biggerpockets.com slash enroll me today. That's biggerpockets.com slash enroll me. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investments in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. Bigger Pockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.